0: Hi, uh, welcome to the New Voting Project. My name is Kunal, your host. And today we have a very special guest joining us from the Bay Area, Malia Vela, the vice mayor of the city of Alameda, California. Uh, You've been a former staff member uh, in the California State Senate and Assembly. You're also an adjunct professor at Mills College in Oakland, uh, and you teach ethical policymaking. I mean, I think you teach what you preach. So like, that's great. (laughs) I try to, I try yeah, to. Exactly, so thank you so much. You're a vice mayor, you're, you're an elected official uh, representing uh, you know, majority constituents in, in Alameda. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. I can understand you're very busy, but I do appreciate it. Absolutely, happy to be here. All right, so let's get started with these questions. Uh, just to begin, talk a little bit about your background, how you got into to the elected space, the organizing space, Uh, Touch on how your college experience prepared you for your current, you know, role and career.
1: You know, I think uh, in college, I really got more involved on my own politically. I had done things, you know, in high school and when I was younger with my parents, um, who were both very active. My mom was a teacher. My dad was a physicist. Um, But when I went to college in, in Massachusetts, I really got more involved locally um, you know, worked on some some campaigns. I worked on an, a, a Massachusetts State House campaign uh, for a guy named Angus McQuilkin, who was fantastic. He was a former staffer, um, you know, just a, a total powerhouse. He uh, ultimately lost, unfortunately, to a guy named Scott Brown, who we all know because uh, Elizabeth Warren finally knocked him out. But um You know, I I think in college, um, you know, it was really exploratory for me. It was just something that my friends were were doing and and getting involved. And there was just an opportunity for that. I studied political science and architecture. um, So it was kind of a natural fit. And actually, when I was working on my thesis and um, kind of, you know, as a senior, uh, I got to participate in some programs that took me to D.C., um, got me working on things like Hope Fund and some other things like that. So it was really, um, really fun for me uh, and and just kind of was a natural fit with what I was studying in school. And one of my professors was actually Hillary Clinton's uh, thesis advisor. And so, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of opportunities really to work with some really incredible um, seasoned politicians. And I got to intern in their offices Um, And so I went to law school, because I was like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna work on, on, you know, the legal side of things. Uh, After, after I graduated from college, I actually worked at like a big uh, corporate law firm, Paul Weiss, which, um, you know, has a lot of really elite attorneys, they worked on some amazing pro bono cases. And that was really what drew me there. Um, So they were like representing folks that were in uh, Guantanamo Bay and things like that as pro bono clients. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be a great opportunity. I think I want to study law, went to law school after that. And I I really um, focused on kind of nonprofit public sector. So I realized that the corporate world was not for me when I was at that big corporate firm um, and really just focused on public interest and social justice law. And so a lot of my internships were really working in the community, working with folks with mental health um, issues um, working with children uh, in turn, uh, in alternative courts, things like that. And so um, one of the things that kind of at the end of law school, um, I did my post bar at Equal Rights Advocates. And what I learned was it's really great to, to work on these cases, but it's so incremental. And you might be able to do some good for a, an individual or a small group of people, but that there's so much work out there that needed to be done on the policy side. And I was starting to work on Title IX stuff and you know, workplace, um, you know, representing women in the workplace, especially around, you know, family leave and paid leave, things like that. And um, that kind of opened the door for me and um, kind of accidentally stumbled into my first job. I met, uh, I met the state senator and and some of her staff um, in San Leandro, just kind of out and about. um, And they let me know that they were hiring. And um, one of my, you know, one of my friends from growing up, uh, was, was one of her staffers and really said, this is a great job. You're going to get to work on policy and organizing and all these things. And so, um, a couple of weeks later, I, I started that job. Um, so it was really kind of fortuitous. It was one of those things that I, I literally fell into,
0: um,
1: yeah. and I loved it. It was great. And then I worked on, um, I worked on some campaigns and then was hired by Assemblymember member Quirk and, and ran his district office.
0: Oh, wow. I, yeah. do, I do. I, my episode with him is going up tomorrow. Actually. He's
1: great. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. He is. I mean, honestly, I think in terms of like really uplifting women and women of color, he has done a phenomenal job within his staff of doing that. Um, and really like empowered us to do some great things. So yeah. that was, that was kind of my pathway. And then I was a staffer and I did like the emerge program and I mainly did it. Cause I wanted to find some, you know, awesome women candidates to go work for, hey. and um, you know, didn't really want to run for office. To be honest with you, I thought there's no way I'm going to do that. Doesn't you know? I like being behind the scenes, working on the policy, and kind of wonking out on stuff. And um, and then just some crazy stuff was happening in my town that I grew up in, and uh, I was seeing people that I knew like having to move home and like live on live in their parents' like guest bedroom or you know, getting evicted, um, because rent was double digits. And, um, you know, I finally was trying to go around and like organize and get somebody to run. And, um, our attorney general, Rob Bonta told me, uh, so here's the thing, if you're not willing to do it, but you're going around asking people like, why would anybody do something you're not willing to do yourself? I think you should do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I
1: got goaded into it by our attorney general.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's a good story. See, so, you know, I'm I'm in that frame. You know, I've been on the campaign side, I've been behind the scenes a lot. Mm-hmm. And I've realized, like you said, like I, I focus on the policy, what's affecting my community where I live, and then I realize it's an absolute shit show. And I'm yeah. like, if I really want to run for office, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I try to find people who run for office, you know? Yeah. I, I'm in that struggle. You know, we're gonna be be there for the June, for the June primary struggle. Yeah. Uh, so I understand. But no, that's that's a very, I guess, that's a great journey to be on. I think you've you've hit all the dots of, of politics and, and community organizing.
1: But that's like how it happens. Right. It's it, yeah. like organizing is organic. Right. Like that is the, the heart of organizing. And I think in many times it's a, it's not about trying to like get your way there by some calculated measure. It's really the best people for it kind of fall into it and you fall into it at the right time because you're passionate about those issues you understand them and you're able to organize in a in a way that is not just compelling but is really based on you know it comes from the heart it's 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 authentic
0: yeah no 100% agree and I'm glad I'm glad we have you as a vice mayor in Alameda I don't live in Alameda but I've heard many great things <laughs> um and I, and I just would like to follow up you know, mm-hmm. on the city council, you obviously have to make decisions. What are some of the the key objectives you're looking to accomplish um, in your tenure? What are the policies that you're looking to enforce? Are you exploring, you know, potentially moving up to higher office? You know, what are things you want to bring to the community um, to to solve some some of the issues we face?
1: I mean, look, the greatest issue facing our country is the wealth gap, and the fact that it's growing, and um, I think there are ways we can impact that at the local government level. Um, so, you know, for me, I've really been focused on housing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, at a base level, housing is a human right. We we don't, it's like the fact that that is this controversial thing to say, and the fact that it really isn't a thing in the United States. Housing is really not a human right. We have this really capitalist system that uh, causes these these wealth, the wealth gap to just expand, and the, ha- the space between the have and have-nots continues to grow. Um, so, things that I've really been working on have been around tenant protections, making sure that we don't see more people um, facing housing, you know, you know, instability, um, getting displaced. Uh, making sure that we're building more housing, and that we're building housing at all income levels. It is possible. Uh, you can get good projects that meet the needs of the community. Uh, There's really only two things you do on city council. Um, I'm going to dispel all the myths about it. Like you spend all of your time on zoning and land use pretty much. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And then you also administer services and there's some basic services that you administer public safety right access to parks, uh, things like that public works. Uh, and you really just need to make sure that you're you're doing those basic things and, and that really makes sure that your community has good quality of life. So at the base level, we don't want to increase the number of people who need social services. So, you know, around you can use zoning and land use to make sure that you have things like tenant protections. I've worked really hard. That was one of the first things that I did. And then just make sure that you're building enough housing, transitional housing, um, supportive housing, all of those things. And I think the other thing is really. There's been so much trauma as a result of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about all the economic harm that's happened and how we can keep our businesses afloat. That's something that I've worked on. But really, we also need to just make sure that we are compassionate at all level levels and that we allow for our community to heal uh, in ways that are supportive. And so I really don't like when we start talking about we've got the city council and we've got the school board, the school board handles all these things. We're really been asking our school districts to do so much more than what they're supposed to be doing. Um, And those are shared constituents. So when we talk about mental health and student mental health, there's no reason that the city shouldn't be working in partnership with our school districts. So that's something that I've been really working on and making sure that we have unarmed responses um, to de-escalate and to provide services uh, rather than just send somebody in that's armed uh, to try to address calls for service, things like that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, just recently, they they recalled three members yes. of the school board in San yes. Francisco. So no, I I understand the appeal, and they should honestly be working together. Same basic constituents, uh, and like you said, same issues. I I think school board, and this is something Assemblymember Quark told me. Um, he's been trying to he's been goading me into running for office. Good. Uh, and uh, what he's been saying is that school board is likely one of the most difficult positions right now in our time because you're you're dealt with not only educating the future generations, i.e., mm-hmm. but you're now addressing public health issues, public safety issues. Um, and you're seeing the disparities and inequities uh that other like external forces provide, right? So yeah. it's a tough job. Um and and um uh, yeah, please run for office if you're if you're listening to this. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, if you're if you're listening, you've already done fifty percent of the work, ninety
0: percent of the work. That's true. Uh, now you got to do the other ninety percent, which is run a campaign. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but no, and and I think the essence of this podcast is I actually discuss the state of voting, um, and and you know what I tend to focus on is the 2020 election, it really set a different standard of what voting looks like in our country. Um, and then now we see this kind of backlash and reaction uh, to restricting voting laws and not creating federal mandates and, and things of that sort. And so I want to ask you, post the 2020 election, now we're going into the 2022 primaries, what are you seeing? How do we get folks out to vote? What incentives do people have?
1: Well, I mean, I think the incentive is always there, which is if you don't vote, other people get to decide for you. Like that is the most powerful thing ever. Like that should motivate you. Like if you yeah. don't like something, you you really have yourself to blame because you should go, you should be able to go to the ballot box. And, and there's a whole population of people that are unable to because we have restricted their voting rights. Um, and you know, it's, it's a privilege and it's a privilege to be able to, to have a say in not only what the policies are. I mean, we have local, the other thing is in California, if you don't vote and you don't care about things like school board, um, you're saying that you don't care about your child and you don't care about what happens to your child's school and where funds are spent and things like that. Um, to your earlier point about, school boards really having to to deal with a number of different issues to address the whole child. You know, we have local control. It's not a top-down system. Uh, so these decisions are being made. They're being made on Mondays and Tuesday and Wednesday nights, you know, in your community. And you get to you get to have a say in who's there, how much money they have, right? You get to have a say in what their their plan is essentially. Um, so this is a huge, it's a, it's, you know, It's a huge opportunity, but it's also a huge privilege. Yeah. I think other things that we need to do to incentivize people. I mean, frankly, I come from a union background too. I worked for the Teamsters for many years. I mean, you know, everyone, if you work for a union and you're negotiating a contract, you should be putting language into your contract to make sure that your workers can get time off to go vote. Because sometimes those contracts, you know, yeah, there's some protection. But, you know, it's really narrowly tailored. And when we're seeing people having to stand in lines, I mean, right now during COVID, at least in California, we're allowed to have vote by mail elections, but mm-hmm. it's much harder to get people, even though the ballot's getting sent to their house, and we saw this in San Francisco, like the, the voting turnout is not, um, hasn't been great in all these special elections that, that have occurred, right? They've been fairly low, even though everyone's getting a ballot sent to their house, because everyone's so preoccupied. So you still need to carve out time and opportunities for workers to get there. We can't take that for granted. Um, so I think time off is something that we need to do. We also need to make it easier for people to vote uh, and register. There's been a lot of people that have moved around during the pandemic, so ballots are getting nailed to the wrong the wrong address, and it's really difficult to get your vote in and your ballot in when you've got other things that are competing for your time.
0: hmm Yeah, no, I haven't actually, I didn't, I never thought about that. The, the idea of in within a contract, designate time to vote. That's actually a pretty good idea. Um, I feel like all unions should do that. (laughs) That seems pretty straightforward.
1: You know, if you're, if you're scheduled to vote on us, I mean, there should be an opportunity for people if they need to go down to the registrar's office or whatever, and get something sorted out or submit, uh, you know, put in a a provisional ballot or whatever they need to do or or do early voting because they're scheduled to work. Like those are things that we should be able to work out. Um, I think, you know, I think there are some things that we learned during COVID, like the the drive-through ballots, uh, ballot places, things like that. Like maybe that doesn't go away, you know, finding opportunities for people to do do voting on school sites so that when you're dropping your kid off at school, you can drop your ballot off. Uh, We need to make it easier for people to vote. Yeah, I
0: agree. I concur.
1: (laughs) I mean, like when I worked on campaigns, like for instance, when I was working on Obama's reelect and I was in Iowa, it's like some of the polling places there, I don't know if you've ever worked on campaigns in the Midwest, but some of them are like in churches, like imagine having, or imagine being a person of color and having to go to like the white conservative church to go vote, because that's, that's where you get to vote in your precinct, right? Those, those sorts of things will, will cause people to not feel comfortable voting. It's a barrier.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, we see we see these barriers uh, in other states right now. Texas, Georgia, kind of this wave of you know moving that ballot box. You know how they keep it outside for the for the compliance for physically disabled folks, so they can just drop yeah. it off. Moving that inside, having right. a poll worker not be able to grab a bottle of water or hand them out to folks, that right. becomes a crime, right? These types right. of scenarios, they're small inconveniences, but they may avert somebody's ability to vote. Um, so yeah, no, definitely agree. And, and, you know, in, in some cities, um, uh, and that's the cameo that we didn't, we didn't talk about at the beginning, <laughs> but in some, in some cities in some municipalities, they've kind of introduced, a mm. youth vote, um, and I, he agrees because he's a youth, <laughs> uh, but what do you think of this idea of allowing younger folks to vote 16, 17 year olds and kind of preparing them to start that cycle of voting um, for, for later years. Sorry. Sorry,
1: I've got a I've got a little one who's disappointed no here. Um she thinks that they should be able Please. to vote. I agree. I agree. Please. Um, you know, I mean, look, you're, you know, you're old enough to get your license, you're old enough to operate a motor vehicle that's, you know, thousands of pounds and and can cause harm. Like you should be able to vote. And I think when we, especially around uh, high school students and the and the decisions that are being made, like to at least let people vote uh, for school board. I mean, I don't know why we're we're trying to say no. You can you can operate a mo- motor vehicle. You can do a lot of different things, but no, you can't have a say in your um, you know in, in the governance of your schools. A little problematic, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should speak with the Alameda School Board.
1: Well, I mean, everyone's starting to have student representatives, right, on their school board. Yeah, yeah, So it's like you're you're good enough to be there and weigh in on things, uh, but you're not good enough. You're not good enough to to actually have a vote.
0: Yeah, seems a little interesting. Uh, Yeah, no, I I think folks folks should definitely have the availability to vote for decisions that are being made about their curriculum. What time they got to wake up in the morning? It only makes logical sense for you to have a say in that. uh, but yeah, some cities I think they're piloting it in in Oakland right now, and mm-hmm. as well, um, and and hopefully the results will show an uptick in in turnout, and that'll be a driver for other cities to follow. Um, so I leave that with you as something to maybe do in the future. Yeah, uh, or get accomplished at a state level or something. Uh, but but I, I always want to ask this of of anybody who comes on this show, which is, what do you recommend folks do? That, you know, you you've obviously had a lot of opportunity and ways to get involved. You you mentioned several internships that you did in college, post college. What can the youth do to get involved? Impact the voting, impact their elections, um, and, and just stay engaged. Like how do we how do we get these folks to come out? Most of them don't care, and of the majority of the very small minority that do, um, it's not it's not usually enough. You know.
1: But do you think it's that people don't care or do you think it's that people have so many different things weighing on them? Like, I feel like there's a lot going on. Like when you're in high school, you're like thinking about what's my next, like everyone's asking me, like, what college are you going to? What are you going to do after high school? Those are the you questions
0: know? I get asked.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> so have... <laughs> yeah, but like, but that, but that's the kind of stuff. And and like, I, you know, I'm 37, I'm still deciding what I'm going to be when I grow up. Like, gosh, why are you trying to put so much pressure and like put me in a box? But I think that there's so many different competing things, and we're asking people. I mean, again, going back to like the economics of it, like you can only afford to go do a paid inter- an unpaid internship if you have housing. You can only afford like time is valuable, and we're asking so much of people in terms of doing free labor. And it comes, and oftentimes we we look at our youth and we're like, hey, by the way, can you go do this? Can you get engaged? Um, and we aren't thinking about the barriers, even if you know, and and so that's why stipends matter, internships, working on, and I think there are a lot of really good um, paid campaign opportunities for folks to get engaged on and with, and so I would just say, you know, find a candidate, find somebody that you believe in or that you see yourself in. Um, I think it's more easily said in the Bay Area than it might be elsewhere, Find an issue that you're passionate in. We're all impacted by people that get to make decisions about housing. We are all impacted by people who get to make decisions about transit. Um, You know, one of the activities that I often have my students do at Mills on the first day is to write down every single elected office that represents them, like that they get to vote on, and then write down the names of the people that hold those positions. And these are intelligent, very bright, college students who can't name like they don't realize that there's like a you know ac transit right and that there's at large positions and districts and the bart board and you know east bay mud right the water districts yeah. so i think you know basic things to do is like educate yourself on this like you are represented by so many different individuals on all of these different governing bodies and they're making significant decisions about your life know who they are, like know that they exist. I think that's one thing. Another thing is like at a basic level, try to figure out when the election is and see if you can even just go and meet the candidates. They often do these meet and greets and have these really kind of sometimes boring debates. I feel like having gone through it, like you sit in these candidate forums and it's the same people. It's the same people at every forum. And we need to find ways to expand that. One thing that happened in Alameda that I loved was that our youth did their own forum. They were like, no, no, we don't care about these. We have other questions we want to ask you. Right. So that's something else people could do. And you know, if the candidates aren't going to take time to, to meet with you and meet you where you're at and be there to answer your questions, like that should, that should raise a red flag.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, no, I've had the, the honor of hosting several forums. I, I did one literally last weekend so for the <laughs> DA's race in Alameda yeah. County. So, uh, yeah. No, I, I understand. It's the same people showing up asking the same questions. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but no, please get involved and at the very least, vote. Um, at the very money. least. If you can I mean, there's so many people that can't, right? Mm-hmm. And
1: I think the other thing is, like, we saw so many people give up um if we don't often talk about this with like our immigrant populations but like people that are holding on they might be here legally right but they're not quite willing to like even you know there's been some elected officials where it was like it took their kid being on the ballot for like the parent right the parent of the elected official to like actually decide okay yeah i'm gonna just go ahead and like get that u.s citizenship so i can vote and there's a lot that people do. People have died for the right to vote. Like the least you can do is find your ballot, read it and turn it in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I think, yeah, that's great. But I
1: think the other thing is we need paid postage on the vote by mail. They, that's the I, other I, thing I, I forgot to add.
0: It's not paid. I thought they give you a, like it just comes like when I vote, well, when I voted by mail last year, or at least helped my parents do it, they get, they gave you a a paid stamp, uh, paid like yellow one, you know, the orange one, Mm -hmm. they sent it back. Right. That's not, so that's pre-pandemic. Yeah. You either had to like put postage on it. Oh, pre-pandemic you're, you're referring. Yeah. I'm talking in pandemic.
1: Yeah. No, but I'm just saying like, you know, we should just, and it should say on the out, like we need to make it very clear that it's your ballot. Like it's hard. Right. That's another thing is like, the thing should be like neon and it should just be like, this is your ballot on the outside. Right. Like just make it very clear. And then on the inside, it should be like, here's the free post. Like here's the free envelope. Here's the free postage. Because otherwise we're expecting people to get in a car and drop it off somewhere. Right. Which, you know, in Alameda, okay. People can do that or, you know, or get on a bike and drop it off or, you know, mail it in and spend money they don't have on postage
0: yeah i think these these very like small like unnecessary things just need to be removed and make the process really easy everybody here is reinventing the wheel one of the things that we we celebrate stacey evans for is that she made it really easy for georgians to just go out and vote she made Mm -hmm. it really easy she made a huge website she said find your polling location boom i found it i'm gonna go there like if we create accessibility and convenience, that's everything to a voter. That's everything to a consumer. I mean, that's right. all. That's all it is. Um, so yes, make things easy for people. Make uh, things accessible. Make yeah. things accessible. Like talk to
1: somebody who has access issues and find out what are the barriers, and then those are the things that you do.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Well, um, thank you so much for 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 taking the time uh, on this episode. I just want to allow you to you know, put your social medias or or websites out there. I'll link it all in the description for anybody who's listening.
1: It's MaliaVella.com. I keep it simple.
0: Uh,
1: And uh, you can find me on Instagram, MaliersV, M-A-L-I-E-R-S-V. And I'm also on Twitter, Malia
0: Perfect. No, I'll put it all in the description. Thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate you uh, giving some great advice. And, and I think we will find it very invaluable.
1: Awesome. And you're going to run for president someday, right? Oh,
0: I don't know about that. That was unscripted and I didn't pay. So, <laughs> <laughs> just to make it clear. Uh,
1: well, let me know so that I can uh, make sure that I go out and campaign for you.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I need the seasoned veteran campaigners.
1: See, when somebody asks you to run, you say, is that an endorsement? here's the pack that you can donate to yeah, and yeah, yeah. can I sign you up to host a house party and walk a precinct for me? Yeah,
0: I've had, I've had to ask that of people, but you already endorsed me. So it's cool. There you go. Exactly. Uh, perfect. Thank you so much. Please take care, stay safe. and And you're always welcome back on the show anytime. Thank you. All right.